college can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, you know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I don't know if you saw this earlier today, uh, an article by Forbes caught my attention and uh, it kind of blew me away. And that is that the Denver Broncos, if this season they are unable to have butts in the stands, right, because of the word that shall go unnamed, they stand to lose as much as, if not possibly even more, $162 million that the club loses. And that's not just to the owner or the ownership group. That money is basically split at a, a 47% of that money basically goes to the players. That's what was negotiated in the new CBA that was codified in March. So a lot of uh, trickle down implications, if that ends up being not to, not to mention Zach, what it means for the people whose livelihood people who work at the stadium, people who work around the stadium, the businesses that thrive on August to January around Mile High Stadium. So a lot of, a lot of implications here, but $162 million if no fans are able to get their butts in the stands. I did see that article and actually wrote about it for the Cowboys' angle. They're, they're standing to lose $621 million out of $950 million. So over two-thirds of their entire revenue will be standing to be lost this coming season. That's if no fans are in stadium. It, it's a shame, Chad. It, it's really just – there's no good thing, good way to spin it, no good way to justify it. It sucks for everyone involved, the stadium workers, the vendors, uh, the, the ticket people. And it sucks for the fans as well if they can't get into their favorite – stadium and their favorite team watching this fall i happen to think there will be a football season but is there going to be fans in the stands and if there's fans in the stands will it be less capacity and if it's less capacity how are they going to charge those fans how are they going to seat them how are they going to go about logistics every single week there's so many more questions than answers right now we don't have them either but it's i know that the nfl passed that it's almost like a stimulus plan for the nfl for teams that 500 million dollars extra will be allocated to cover the losses of what these box office ticket sales and revenue stand to bring this coming fall. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it boggles the mind. It really does. All we can do is hope that uh, things continue to improve across the country as it relates to the the bug out there that has really derailed everything. So, but yeah, I saw that and it just, the Cowboys led the way. What was it, like 900 million that they brought in gross in terms of their revenue, not just counting the stadium, yeah. but like they're the, they're the first seat at the table when it comes to earners in the NFL. And of course the NFL, the way they share revenue at the end of the day is, is equal because, you know, that's why salary caps are equal. It's not like small market versus big market teams like an MLB and, whatnot so gonna be interesting to see how it shakes out zach we're keeping our fingers crossed here at the huddle up podcast that we'll have some good news on that front in the very near future and the broncos for what it's worth they're holding tight to their july 28th or 29th it's one of those two days they haven't decided for sure training camp gonna kick off july 28th 29th and of course this is uh probably you can probably guarantee it even though it's two months out zach you can probably guarantee they won't be inviting fans to training camp this year. Yeah. But then the regular season doesn't start for seven weeks after that. So there's still plenty of time for things to really improve. And maybe there's not a vaccine that comes out be- between now and then, but the the virus burns itself out and we don't know. We don't know. But at this point it's just spitballing, but I'm trying to maintain an optimistic point of view. Yeah, I am as well, and there's really nothing good about it. We're too far out right now to make any predictions. We we both are on the optimistic side of the scale, Chad. We've caught a lot of flack for being on that, on that optimistic side of the scale, but we think there's a, a football season this fall. No ticket sales, limited capacity. It hurts the team's pocketbook, but I'm going to be real and frank right now. In times like these, we can't worry about multi-billion dollar organizations like the NFL teams, the commissioner, the players. They're all well taken care of. In these uncertain times, Chad, we're all fighting to put food on our table, have have money in our bank accounts. So if there's a football season, great. But if fans can't go, it sucks for them the most. I don't really feel too bad for the teams themselves. Guys, thanks for joining us. Quick hello to those who've been hanging out in the room. Stony Neff, Bronco Batman, throwing some steaks on the grill good for you my dog that's awesome happy memorial day to all of you out there hope you're enjoying your memorial day monday bronx legend what's good of course buona beast in the hizzy it's good to see all you guys stew what's going on my friend zeus mcpeak of course it's great to have you oh there's bob as well it's uh it's great to have all of you in the house with us here we're gonna talk touch on in fact an article by bob that kind of talks about some of the potential implications of what's going on currently uh, between Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. And eventually, if, of course, Drew Locke's trajectory continues to go the direction everyone's hoping that it will, some of the same issues the Broncos stand to face with Locke, because one thing that the two have in common, Zach, is that Dak Prescott was not a first-round pick and neither was Drew Locke. So neither the Cowboys nor will the Broncos – have the benefit of that fifth-year option to keep them locked in. So they they kind of have to come to the table a little bit sooner. So we're going to get to that here in just a second, guys. First, a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you stay in touch with your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. While you're at it, also make sure you follow at Mile High Huddle. That's the main account for breaking Broncos news and analysis as it unfolds in real time as well. Check out the merch store, you guys, if you're in a position to do so. HuddleUpPod.com. Get your swag on. Grab yourself a football priest hat. 
get yourself a hoodie, Mile High Huddle State of Being hoodie, a mug, a face mask, a little something for everybody out there. And it's a great way to support what we're doing here at MHH. And if you're not in a position to do that, it's all good. We understand. One thing you can do, though, simple, easy thing, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, make sure you like this video. If you love what we're doing here, share it out. Let your friends and family members, who we assume a lot of them are also Broncos fans, get exposed to what this this channel is all about. And especially on YouTube, you guys, subscribe. We're inching closer to the 7K mark, and we have something special planned for the seven when we do cross the 7,000 subscriber barrier on YouTube. And the big reason for that, obviously, is the number seven has special significance within Broncos country. So subscribe, like, share, easy, organic things you can do to help support the show. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, before we dive into the uh, crux of today's podcast, I just wanted to really quick, there was a reason why I put a poll out on YouTube and Twitter, a football priest poll. <clears throat> and I want to start incorporating more of these into our podcast as not just a conversation topic, but in engaging the community and getting their thoughts on things. Zach, we put a poll out two days ago asking the fans to be in the community, to be brutally honest. Is Derek Wolf worthy of the Broncos ring of fame? Now you and I, this is something we've gone back and forth on at different points in our podcasting uh, partnership over the last few years. But here's what the results were. 43% of the vote went yes, 57, no. Pretty close, but not quite to a 50-50 split there, Zach. I think, though, as much as in my heart, the idea that, you know, I think in the modern canon of Broncos history, 
Derek Wolf would deserve to maybe be up there in the rafters, but when taken through the entire scope of Broncos history, I just don't think there was enough there for him to warrant ring of fame. I'm right there with you. He's like the the ring of very, very good, but not the ring of fame. He was a really good player for Denver, but just too inconsistent. He never was the J.J. Watt of his time, Chad. He he wasn't an, a generational player, but he also wasn't Devontae Booker either. I mean, that I, I believe it was D-Mac from the fan who put that narrative out. He Maybe it was uh, James Merliot. No, it was James Merlot from uh, right. former – Publisher Sorry. of Mile High Sports. Sorry, DMAC. Yeah, I, I saw that take on Twitter. I'm just thinking, how could you even? I'm not the biggest Derek Wolf fan in the world, but calling him Devontae Booker, I mean, the guy was impactful. He helped the Broncos win a championship. He was a great raw, raw leader type, the mouthpiece of that defense. He epitomized that 2015 Smash Mouth squad, but he just wasn't good enough to get to the Ring of Fame, as far as I'm concerned, Chad. Maybe if he was just more consistent, he wasn't as hurt. He had a better reputation that preceded him. Then, yeah. But I'm right there with you. It's a, it's a, a tenuous no for me. By the way, you guys, if you have suggestions or requests for poll, reach out. Let us know. If you want a particular question, query to the community, DM us, email us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. We will remain open to any suggestions on the topics of polls. But real quick, a shout out to Duke, a super chat superstar jumping in with a $10 super. Thank you, Duke. Appreciate you, Duke. Hashtag stay the course. I'm not sure exactly what you're uh, speaking to there, but we do appreciate We're going to stay the course. Yeah. We're going to keep bringing you daily Broncos content. Zach and I, you're going to have Huddle Up podcast four days a week. You'll have Building the Broncos on Tuesdays. You'll have Dove Valley Deep Divers on Fridays. And then beginning this week on Saturday, you will have a brand new podcast to look forward to by Luke Patterson and Nick Kendall. They're teaming up to form their own podcast. The exact name of it is still somewhat a little bit up in the air. I'm not going to use the name, but look forward to a new podcast from those guys starting on Saturday. It's going to be really fun and uh, something to look forward to, guys. Uh, But thank you for that donation, Duke. You know we appreciate you, my friend. And, Zach, before we get into this article of Bob's here, which was very apropos, especially considering that one of your jobs, Zach, is covering the Dallas Cowboys for Heavy.com, this will be a a good opportunity to get some of your insight on what's going on and kind of view it through the prism of of the Denver Broncos. Real quick, though, I just want to grab Frankie's here. Really appreciate the $5. Thank you, Frankie. Frankie. Hello, guys. Just showing some love. Really appreciate it. Joseph, you got it, my friend. No problemo. Good to network with the community on all of the social media channels. If I know you're a a viewer or a subscriber or a listener to the podcast and you follow me on Twitter or on Facebook, I'm going to follow back or accept the request and appreciate that donation, my brother. All right, Zach. So first and foremost, without getting, you know, we don't need to go too far into the woods in terms of all the details surrounding the DAC versus Cowboys contract dispute, if you will. The last thing that's really been reported that we can sink our teeth into is that the the Cowboys have offered him basically $35 million a year. That hasn't changed. They want it over five years. Right. Dak wants it over four years. Now, Drew Locke is still on a rookie contract for the next three, uh, three seasons. What is that? So 2020, 2021, end of the 2022 season is when the Broncos are going to have to make a decision on Drew Locke. Now, we might be putting the cart before the horse and discussing it this way on the podcast because he's got only five starts under his belt. But do you see this being an issue that the Broncos are also going to have to confront within a couple of years time? 
Well, first of all, from the Cowboys angle, I think you nailed it, Chad. They're offering him just under $35 million a year, which would make him the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL behind Russell Wilson of Seattle. They're offering him on par with what Jared Goff received in Los Angeles, about $110 million guaranteed. That's a lot of money. I mean, the thing with Dak, though, it's not necessarily the numbers at this point. It's purely the length of the contract. He's 26 and wants to hit the market again when he's 30 years old. That's a four-year deal. The Cowboys... So, you know, the standard operating procedure with the Cowboys is five-year commitments. It's what they do with their in-house extensions. Dak doesn't want that. So the money, that's really not the biggest, you know, barrier right now between standing between them and an agreement. In terms of comparing it to Locke, though, contracts are on a sliding scale, Chad. You know that. A lot of fans know that. It's all relative to what the last person got. So if Dak signs now, by the time Mahomes signs or Deshaun Watson signs, it could be a steal compared to $35 million per year. And when Drew Locke comes up to bat in a few years, 35 is going to seem like what, what 25 is now. So it's all relative based on what the team does, what the player wants. Drew Locke, though, does not strike me as a Dak Prescott type. He strikes me as a really team-oriented player, and it could change if he a- attains success at that level. But he strikes me as a guy who's not going to break the Broncos bank. He's not going to hold out for uh, on his terms or making these extraordinary gar- demands or guarantees. He's going to take, I-, I believe, what the Broncos would be willing to offer and maybe a little less to keep a good team around him. So it- it's it's f- hard to see that far out. But I don't think the Broncos are going to have an extended holdout or protracted negotiations with Locke like the Cowboys are having with Prescott. So in Bob's article, which is really good piece, you guys go check it out at milehighhuddle.com. Bob Morris published this uh, on Sunday evening. He's got three ways that this really affects Locke. We've already addressed one of them in terms of, you know, the fact that there's no fifth year option. So the Broncos are going to have to come to the table. If he ends up being a franchise caliber quarterback for real, they're going to have to come to the table a little bit sooner than his first round brethren out there in the NFL. The second point, though, he says here, quote, Quarterback salaries continue to rise. This was something you just spoke to. So if Locke proves to be the guy in Denver, he could be in line for a bigger payday than perhaps what Russell Wilson is currently getting. He says also, quote, if even if Prescott takes less money than Wilson, there are other quarterbacks who will be set for extensions, and at least one is likely to reset the market. If Locke proves to be the guy, he will most likely exceed whatever Prescott gets in a deal. So right now, whatever he ends up getting, three years from now, if Locke is the, the yeah. real deal, if he is the truth, Easy. even more than that. And then the third here, to quote Bob, a less obvious point, but an important one. If Prescott gets his way and only has to sign a four-year deal, that opens the door for other quarterbacks. Why would, say, a Patrick Mahomes and a Deshaun Watson take any contract for more than four years if four years is what Prescott gets close quote so you know this is a little bit of a putting the cart before the horse because Locke still has a lot to prove but it is kind of interesting to see what awaits the Broncos down the road yeah and really what what jumps out to me Zach this last thing I want to serve it back to you they got to make hay while the sun's shining right now they've got him on a rookie contract they got three years in which they can allocate those 35 40 million dollars that might end up having to go to him a few years from now to the defense, to wide receivers, to whatever, to make the strongest roster, most balanced roster that can compete right now. I agree with Bob's point about kind of breaking the mold, but we heard that about Kirk Cousins as well. He signed a fully guaranteed three-year contract with the Vikings, and that was supposed to be the next big thing for quarterbacks. I I once heard an expression that every deal in the NFL is a two-year deal, and it's either cut 
at that point, cut bait, or you renegotiate and add more years to the deal. But quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, these younger uh, types that have more leverage within their organizations, they want shorter contracts. They want to cash in now and have an opportunity to cash in again later on. I don't know if Locke's going to do that, but I saw a comment here that says if Mahomes takes a uh, team-friendly deal, then I could see Locke doing it as well. I, I, I see the type of player that Locke is based on the limited sample size we got from him. And if Mahomes does it, considering the Broncos are trying to copy that same trajectory, I can see Locke taking a team-friendly deal as well. You have to pay... You know, you have to pay Justin Simmons. You're going to pay Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fan in a couple of years. You have so many players you have to pay. Who do you who do you pay? Who do you get rid of? That's the right. problem. Yep, and that's I mean, think back to the 2013 Seahawks who won the Super Bowl with the they're the ones that kind of blazed this trail of winning now while your young quarterback is on a rookie deal with Russell Wilson. And you know, for a couple of years there, 2013 and 2014, they were able to keep the band together and put money on in especially investing money on the defensive side, investing money into Marshawn Lynch, a few well strategically placed personnel pieces on the offensive side. But after that next Super Bowl, the one they lost in the final seconds to the New England Patriots, things started coming apart for them because they, you know, the the money starts adding up and Russell Wilson eventually had to get paid. He was drafted in 2012, 12, 13, 14. 15 was his contract year and they ended up having to come to the table and figure something out. So that's something that is a good problem to have. If you're the Broncos, if Locke proves to be the truth now, really quick, Zach, to, to shift gears, let's grab Stu here. Who wants to know a different Stu, not Zeus McPeak, but Stu Primakoff. He wants to know, didn't people say that Vaughn gaining 15 pounds of muscle was a great thing and now it's not looking like it. So do you guys think the same thing happened to Reggie Bush? He tried to gain too much muscle. I don't know about uh, Reggie Bush's career trajectory exactly as it relates to gaining t- too much weight, Zach, but I'll tell you this. Reggie Bush is a soft is a sore spot for me because uh, to this day it really irks me that they took away his Heisman. I know that's a separate question. That's not what Steve's asking about here. But Vaughn's 15 pounds of muscle, I think every time he's tried to put it on to, to kind of um, get prepared for what he – what his coaches expect him to have responsibility-wise in the scheme, it's never really panned out that well for him, Zach. You know, also, it's edge rusher versus uh, – it's apples and bowling balls. It's two different kinds of players. So one needs more explosion, and the other one doesn't have to really rely on that can convert speed to power. I think Vaughn, his issue more was Fangio's scheme. I think he just didn't take to it as well. And either he doesn't want to admit that or the Broncos don't want to admit that, and they're hoping that in year two with Bradley Chubb back, he's a little lighter now. He doesn't have to battle that injury he battled last year. It was just a perfect storm of everything bad for Vaughn last season. I'm not going to chalk it up to one thing or another. The pounds didn't help him out. He cut that weight this offseason. He's back to his normal playing weight. And I think that's one of the factors that will help him have a bounce back season, but it's not the end all be all determining factor, Chad. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Speaking of Zeus McPeak, showing some love, as he, he always does on each and every podcast. You know, we appreciate you, bro. Thank you, Stu. And it uh, means everything to us. And you know this, my friend. Thank you. Also, Johnny Baby jumping in with a, a $10 super. And he's off tonight. Nice. You can actually watch live, participate in the conversation. He says, MHH fam, let's smash that like button. Support our football priests. Hashtag state of being. And uh, Ian here wants a Mile High Huddle hat for his birthday. Those are nice. You better tell uh, your girlfriend, tell your bro, tell your mom or dad. Huddleuppod.com, my friend. And Stu also, Primakov, jumped in, showing a little love there. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, Geo, really quick. I don't want the stream to jump these guys, so I want to grab our awesome Super Chat superstars real quick. Very generous. Also, as consistent as the day is long. We love you, George. He says – Things are looking better here in upstate New York as I get back to work June 1st. That is nice. excellent news, George. We're happy to hear that. And also, Zach, for what it's worth, uh, the governor of New York, I almost used his father's name. I almost said Mario Cuomo. Um, we'll just say Governor Cuomo, okay? Um, greenlit sports teams, sports franchises in um, Andrew Cuomo, by the way. Uh, in New York to reopen facilities and get back to at least being able to practice. Now the issues of playing games and all that, that's, that remains to be seen, but the New York jets, the New York giants, that was one of the things that we were worried about in terms of the NFL's, you know, and understandably. So their, their mandate to, to maintain competitive balance. We didn't know exactly when coaches and players for the Broncos were going to be allowed back in the building, except for it was going to be probably sometime in June Cuomo greenlighting the the Giants and the Jets, for example, to return to facilities. I think just looking at the landscape, I know California has already rubber stamped it for guys for teams to return. That should mean that in June, players and coaches are going to be able to come back and get back to the business of at least maybe try and capture phase three of OTAs before camp. I think because the Giants and Jets reside in New Jersey, though, I think that's the oh, New Jersey right. jersey. And I think Phil Murphy, though, I think he's the next to sign off on that. So it's no problem there. But it's we're, we're moving in the right direction here. And I believe the Eagles actually canceled the rest of their uh, offseason program, their virtual program, and saying, listen, come back healthy, ready to go for training camp. So NFL teams and players and coaches are all kind of – expecting and banking on having a normal training camp, normal in the sense of starting on time, might not be no fans there, but we're not going to have 
Um, I believe a postponed season or a canceled season at this point, Chad, it's looking good. And George telling us things like that. We're going to get some hate for being positive right now and optimistic, Chad, but it's so good to hear about people's success stories right now. Charge it to the game. Right. Bronco Batman showing some quick love here before he's got to go eat with the fam. Appreciate you, my friend. That is very cool. And also, James, we echo this message. Hope everyone has had a meaningful yes. Memorial Day. Um, Robert comment is what being a cynical pessimist isn't a good thing no it's not dude it's not in my opinion it's it's not a good thing but you know this i know you're being you're joking there terry proven as always up in canada the broncos country is not a geographic location it is a hashtag state of being baby we appreciate you terry Terry. Uh, all right let me see what else we've got here while we're on this topic while we're kind of scrolling through and seeing what's on everybody's mind here zach I wanted to get your take on that. I wouldn't quite call it a, you know, a, a Twitter argument. I mean, borderline. Maybe it's it's hyperbole to uh, call it a Twitter beef. I I understand any criticism that they would call it a beef. But Devontae Harris, Shelby Harris, right? They get into it a little bit uh, over right before the weekend. In fact, on Twitter, based on the word that shall go unnamed. As a as the core subject, but really the the use and wearing of masks. And I guess I could go through the entire conversation if our audience wants us to. I can pull up the article and we could even do a screen share, pull up the MHHR article. But what did you make of that? Was it kind of a mountain out of a molehill or do you think it's kind of a sign that dudes need to get back on the grass? Yeah, I think it's actually both, Chad. I think we're, we're overblowing every little thing right now because there's nothing else to talk about. There's no practices. There's no schedule for practices. There's no plan on the horizon that we know of that's imminent. It's just everything is slow to a crawl. So every Twitter argument that players make or everything they, they touched on when it comes to that subject, Chad, is going to be magnified. I, I'm not looking that much into it by September. We won't even remember that these two had that discussion. I agree with you. And it's worth noting, too, that we got called out on this in the article because I didn't mention it in the report Shocker. itself. But uh, the fact that they were – they share an alma mater. They both went to Illinois State. Now, Shelby entered the league in 2014. Uh, was it? Yeah, 2014. And then Devontae Harris was 2018, I want to say. Yeah, 2018. So – I'm not sure if they were actual teammates or if they share an all uh, just share an old, uh, alma mater there. But let me just really quick so you guys can see. Devontae Harris, his tweet is, if I see another parent walking around without a mask and their toddler doesn't, I'm slapping them. And really, I'm not going to go through everything that their entire exchange, but really all it came down to was Shelby was like, that's a strong statement from somebody who doesn't have kids. And then they kind of went back uh, and forth at each other. And it was left by Devonte Harris as saying, thanks boss. I'll continue on with my day as you should. If you guys want all the details on that, go check out the article at milehighhuddle.com. But again, to me, is it the biggest deal in the world? No, but I think it does show a little bit, a little bit. Look, they're NFL players. They might be world-class athletes, Zach, but they're human too. Right. And being, you know, isolated for two months, being kept from what they love to do. Obviously, these guys are working out individually, but being kept from the film room, being kept from, you know, the practice facilities, the locker room with the boys. And I mean, by this point, here we are at the end of May, Zach. We should have already have had phase one of, of OTAs, mini rookie minicamp, yeah. mandate or a voluntary mini, mini camp, 
And then going into phase two, phase three, a few more things to happen. They've been basically, they've just had to live off some Zoom meetings. And those of you out there in the professional world who've also had to, you know, be reduced to doing Zoom, it's just not the same thing. It's better than nothing, but Zoom, it's just not the same as being there in the flesh. So to me, it's just a hold on for dear life, guys. It, things are starting to break. They just need to get back on the field. I think it was less about the the issue, Chad, and more about just Shelby Harris as a person and as a parent talking to another person who's a teammate of his, and he says, you don't have kids. You don't know what you're talking about. That one little comment could be applied to anything. He could have been talking about watching a movie. He could have been talking about going out to eat somewhere. I mean, it doesn't have to be just this issue, but this issue is magnified right now for the same reasons you just laid out. There's nothing else going on. James wants to know, is the new Nick and Luke pod replacing the Dove Valley Deep Divers on Saturdays? Yes. So the thing with DVDD having two pods a week, that was always a temporary um, adjustment during pre-draft because Eric's focus is so much on draft, Eric Trickle, that we wanted to give him as much opportunity to you know dump all that information to, the, to our fans and get as much of that out as possible. And then after we've just kind of kept it there, knowing that eventually we were going to get Luke signed up with his own pod. And that's the only other day is Saturday. So it's going to be Nick and Luke replacing the Dub Valley Deep Dubbers second podcast of the week. So Eric and, and Lance will still be going on on Fridays each and every week. So you, our awesome audience will get a chance to see everybody um, each and every week. That's that's not going to change. Those guys are doing a great job on DVDD. And this is not any kind of uh, indictment or anything on them. This was always the plan. And the second Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast episode was always temporary. So keep that in mind. A super chat from Discount Audio and Wheels DAW, one of our superstars. It's good to see you, my friend. Thanks for joining in on the chat and for the super. He says, thank you. Tony from DAW here, fellas. Been out, busy, finally catching you guys live. Just wanted to keep showing you guys my support. The Broncos defense will be top 10 and expecting the offense to be top 15 playoffs here we come appreciate that tony and zach it's true that if the broncos do end up fielding a top 10 defense and even a top 15 offense more often than not that's a that's a recipe for playoffs i'm gonna go the extra mile they're both gonna have top 10 units on both sides of the ball chad i really do think the offense could be a top 10 if Locke takes that next step and, the, and the, all the talent coalesces there the defense could be top five but if you have a top five defense and a top 12 to 15 offense, yeah, that's a 10 and six record on a wild card. And the Broncos will make a lot of noise come January. All right, Jared. Yeah, uh, it's going to happen. You get that obligatory down vote here and there. It's going to happen. It's it is what it is. It's no let them hate. Let them hate. It's all good. Um, here's from John. Juno wants to know on YouTube. Why is nobody signing Cam Newton? I can think of at least five teams right now off the top of my head that he could start for, including New England. Zach, we don't know exactly what his contract demands are, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that teams are skeptical still about his health. Right. A thousand. Yeah, it's not even the money at this point because he said he would be open to taking a backup job. He, he can get something like Jameis Winston got on a prove-it deal. It's the fact that he can't come into facilities, or maybe soon he can, but to this point he hasn't been able to come in and take a physical. Teams don't know what's up with his shoulder, his foot. Those are serious career-threatening injuries that – in retrospect, have derailed his career. So I'm I'm with those teams that are being tentative and cautious. This is your starting quarterback. And as the Broncos learn, you can't bring in just anyone for that role. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Miller 707 champ chiming in. Good to see you, by the way. He says, it still worries me that Drew Locke is a KC fan. Well, he was. He grew up a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Trust me, professional athletes, by the time they get to the bigs, Shane Ray is the exception that proves the rule, okay? These guys leave behind their childhood um, biases and their childhood, you know, favorite players and favorite teams. When they end up in the bigs, man, they, that, they're not worried about that anymore. In fact, Drew Locke has to face the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year as the quarterback of his respective franchise. Now, again, Shane Ray went out there while he was a Bronco and got the Chiefs arrowhead tattooed on him, which was just a terrible, terrible omen and just completely unwise, and he's out of the NFL. Unforgettable. So, yes, I wouldn't, Zach – that doesn't worry me about Drew Locke that he grew up a Chiefs fan, literally one wit. I still remember right after he was drafted or, or a couple days after, he went back to his parents' house in Missouri and planted a giant Broncos flag smack dab in Chiefs territory. I don't worry about that in the least. And he even said, I think, in his post-draft uh, presser or post-draft interview, he's going to cut that allegiance off. And he realizes that he grew up in that territory. It's, it's a rival team of the Broncos, but he is all Denver all the time. That is Drew Locke. King Hicks jumping in with the $10 super. We really appreciate you, my Thank brother. You. It's good to see you. He says, shout out to my MHH family showing some love. I love this community. Thanks to everyone that supports us. Hashtag Chad and Zach rocks. Thanks for all that you guys do to get us through this difficult time. Hey, man, you guys keep us coming back for more at each and every, as you said, we love the community too. And we talk about it quite a bit. We won't go off on a tangent here, but Ever since we took the podcast live, it made our enjoyment of podcasting, I mean, tenfold. We, we just look forward to this so much. And Chad, you know, I, I know that we're emerging from this issue that's plagued us and the Q word, we're emerging from that. But during the last two months, these pods, at least personally for me and professionally, has, have pushed me forward. They've been something I've looked forward to. They've been a, a very um, healing, in other words. Yes. It's been cathartic to have these pods. So we appreciate you guys as much as you do us. John, we grabbed your regular comment, not knowing that you also put that in a super chat form. So thanks for the support, John. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And our friend Tony jumping back in again. Hope everything's going well. Also, by the way, Tony, I'm curious to know with uh, the reopening for you on uh, the DAW store, he says, when you do have to pay the offense, a lot of the high paid defensive players will be gone and be forced to take pay cuts to stay and the money will shift to the offensive side and it will be time for the, the, the Broncos to start then drafting defense. Exactly. It's a cyclical thing. You try and balance it as best you can when you're in the midst of it, Zach. But as Elway talked about following the 2020 draft, 
you know, these last for, for four or five years, it was very defensive centric uh, in terms of the draft. It's where they spent a majority of their cap dollars, especially post Peyton, but that has shifted in the last two years and it will continue to kind of shift to offense until, as he says, it comes time to pay the guys on the 2018 class and the 2019 class. And then that will start trickling back and, and rotating the other way. A point I wanted to make about the Dak Prescott thing was they let Byron Jones go right. largely to pay Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper, but the, you have to make sacrifices. You can't keep everyone in the salary cap era, Chad. So the Broncos having to pay Drew Locke, they'll be happy to do it because it means Drew Locke became that franchise quarterback. And just like the Chiefs do with Mahomes, they'll let every other defensive player walk. They'll, they'll put such a low emphasis on defense because when you have a franchise quarterback of that caliber, you can cover up the, for those mistakes you can hide those weaknesses he makes your entire team better so if it comes down to in a couple years and the broncos have to pay i don't know drew log versus maybe philip Lindsay, they're going to take the quarterback all day every day he makes this team go and if he gets to that level the broncos will be happy to cut that check jd phillips on facebook we don't want to ignore our awesome facebook audience has a great question hey guys when are the broncos planning on bringing their rookie class in so this kind of gets back to what we opened the show with talking about the you know what's going on with the the state of the word that shall go unmentioned and how that's trickling down or could trickle down and affect the NFL, the Broncos, et cetera. As it stands for competitive balance reasons, the Broncos this past week were allowed to get back to – it was Brittany Bowen, in fact, that spearheaded it. They're getting their facilities back open, uh, making sure that they've got social distancing kind of guidelines in place, making their workplace as safe as possible – so that on May, I think it was today actually, was the day they were expecting John Elway to return and his, his, his front office guys and scouts and other employees. Players and coaches, however, J.D., are still barred from returning to facilities because not all teams by state executive order, whatever their governor, we just talked about New York, New Jersey, other hard-hit places like California or who are sticking to the whole you know lockdown thing. Not everyone is equal footing in the NFL right now because the NFL is in multiple states. So until 100% of all 32 NFL clubs, Zach, can return to the facilities, no coaches and players will be able to return. But the silver lining on this is it's looking like that's going to happen sometime in June, and I happen to think it's going to be earlier in June than later. Yeah, I reported on this for the Cowboys. It's up to 75 employees in a team building at once. It's rehabbing players and certain team executives. So no healthy players, no coaches, none of those uh, personnel type of people. It's just those central types. But like Jerry Jones said last week, he anticipates imminently having more and more people into the building. So I'm with you, Chad. It's going to be early June when the players and coaches come back can come back in in the states that are open right now. So training camp is definitely on schedule. It might be no fans in, in, in around them. It might be a weird training camp, a weird summer, but there will be football in late July, early August, and through the fall. Amen. James here pointing out, however, the Giants and Jets would be covered by New Jersey's laws yeah. and their headquarters in New Jersey. So my bad on that, guys. Um, all right, let's see here. Let's grab – Big Kev jumping in, a super chat superstar. Appreciate you, Kevin. Who do you guys think will be our next free agent signing, not including a Jason Peters or a Kelvin Beecham? Honestly, Zach, mm. thanks for the super, Kevin, and for the question. Yeah. I don't really have a name for you, Kevin. We could go through a whole list of available free agents and maybe make that kind of a, t- a focus of the pod, like an episode down the road or something. But 
really what you do at this stage is you circle positions that are still of need. And we've really hammered this point home in recent, well, since, since the draft ended, it, it really comes down to offensive tackle and cornerback are the two main yeah. problem areas. In a perfect world, maybe you would even like to add a little more experience behind Drew Locke at quarterback, but I still think they can get by with as it is with Jeff Driscoll as the main backup there. But So it really is, I know you removed them, K- KP, from the equation and Beecham and Peters, but honestly, those are the no-brainer two guys to keep an eye on because you've got Elijah Wilkinson recovering from a foot procedure. you got Juwan James' recent injury history. The Broncos have to be sensitive to that. And Garrett Bowles, you know, you just don't know quite yet. He's walking the knife's edge. Is he going to fall on this side or is he going to fall on that side? We don't know yet. So that's a position right now I think the Broncos are holding tight. But once they actually get to camp and see how things are shaping up, see how healthy guys look, how well they're kind of pulling their weight, that's when the other shoe will drop, Zach. I think if there's a player the Broncos are targeting or a position the Broncos are targeting, that player is still on his current team. They would make that call after a guy gets released, after June 1st cuts or cuts around training camp or if an injury strikes. I think they're good uh, for the most part on the roster. I keep hammering home offensive tackle, and you mentioned Beater, Peters and, and uh, Beecham. I'm throwing Cordy Glenn as well. That's their tackle right. on the market. You know, he's a, a, a capable starter, let alone a swing guy. So cornerback tackle I really can't think beyond that though Chad of what they other need maybe a, they got a guard they have centers I mean they, they really have everything uh, tackle and uh, secondary for me it's all in positions James jumping in with a <clears throat> excuse me five pound I believe that's the sign for pound super thank, chat. You, thank you James we appreciate your brother and also what you do on the MHH uh, super fan Facebook group he says just ask the Falcons about how they pumped in crowd noise problem solved that would be a potential solution, Zach, to help kind of create an artificial sense of f- a football environment, pumping noise, crowd noise through the speakers, if no fans are allowed to attend. Or, you know, it might be a situation, Zach, where certain, let's say, like three quarters of the league are able to at least have fans in the stand in some form. Like maybe it's two thirds capacity, maybe it's one half capacity, maybe it's a quarter capacity, something. Whereas, a couple other teams, 25%, whatever it might be, might not be able to have any fans. So then you have to wonder, well, competitive balance again. Is the NFL going to allow the teams that can have fans to have fans? Because maybe they play a team who, in their home stadium, when they're at home, they're not allowed to have fans currently, and then they come on the road. The home team gets the benefit and advantage of fans and the away team. To, then you still get into some competitive balance issues. Right. It's really going to be curious. I don't envy the decision makers right now at the front office in the NFL having to weigh all these issues, but it will be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Even down to a micro level and a local level. I mean, I'm thinking about my gym when it reopens, Chad. If they only let in a limited number of people, if I don't get it, are they going to charge me the same? Is it going to be a discounted rate? I mean, how are they going to work that out? So I wonder if that applies to a huge multi-billion dollar business like the NFL. How are you going to do that with limited fans or season ticket holders, personal seat licenses? There's so many questions and conundrums right now. We just don't have the answers. But maybe I'm in the minority. I don't want piped in crowd noise. I'd rather hear the players on the field, the game noises, the coaches barking from the sideline. I don't want artificial piped in noise. Either give me the full throat or give me nothing. It's really interesting you say that because I was just talking to a friend of mine about the UFC events that have taken place in recent weeks. And 
the one thing that jumped out is the fact that, you know, no crowd noise, no oohs and ahs, no applause, no root, rooting and whatnot. Each blow that was landed, you could hear. And it yeah. just sounded like, you know, completely, it was just a little bit different experience. I can imagine it would be a similar type of effect in football where you already hear the big collisions, you hear the pop, but you'd be hearing all the grunts, every hit, every little, it'd make it that much more visceral, right? For, yeah. for fans watching on TV be a different animal in terms of the overall experience and it probably harder for NFL players to get into the zone, but you give them a game or two of playing that way. And if that's how it ends up having to shake out for the 2020 season, then that's how it shakes out and you play the schedule. They're big boys with a big check on the line every single week. Chad, I'm not worried about upsetting that apple cart, but if we're not going to have fans in the stands, I don't want some Madden-generated stock noise, a generic noises. I want to hear, like you said, I want to feel more immersed in the game. I want it to feel more like I'm there. Most people watch it from TV anyway. You know, going to the game is a a crappier experience than sitting in your living room and watching it on TV and in the comfort of your own home. So if I'm going to have that anyway. I want to feel like I can hear every sound, every whistle, every scream, every celebration. BNS with a question on YouTube. He says, so if the Jets can pay Flunko, Joe Flacco, when we all know he isn't worthy, he isn't worth a moldy pair of shower shoes, <laughs> and we won't even give Philip Lindsay a bonus or an increase, what does that say about how we feel about Philip Lindsay? I assume that's what you mean by him, BNS. What's your answer, Zach? It's apples and bowling balls. I, I don't see how those two things are, are exclusive there. I mean, obviously the Broncos thought enough of Flacco to trade for him and make him the understood franchise starting quarterback for a year, and they have a different opinion of Philip Lindsay, but they still like Lindsay. They still think he, he can contribute to the offense. It's it just Elway showed his true colors and believing that Lindsay's not a bell cow back. He's not a workhorse back, and he liked Melvin Gordon in that role better. And I have a feeling Elway's saying to himself, and probably privately to Philip Lindsay, you perform well this season with Melvin Gordon being the number one guy, then we'll pay you. But until then, you got to really prove your mettle in the NFL just a little more, which I don't agree with, Chad, and I'll, I don't think you do either. No. Yep. I mean, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole tonight, but no, I, I do not agree with that. And James, this is a good point. Those of you watching the, the stream live right now, you can read this. I don't want to use any of these words. I don't want the reach of this podcast stream on, on any of the social media channels to be muted or restricted. So that is going to be crucial part of all pro teams and college teams getting and staying on the field this fall, especially football. King Hicks jumping back in with wow. a $10 super. Thank, Thank you, King. my friend. means a lot to us. You know that. He says, shout out to Terry, Bronx, Beast, Dylan, Stu, Christy, Justin, all my MHH fam. You guys are awesome. And I just want to show y'all love and let you y'all know I appreciate y'all. Hashtag Broncos world. Very best, cool, King. Best fans in the world. I appreciate you, God. my friend. Poppy jumping in with a very generous super. Wow. Thank you, Poppy. Thank you. She says, happy Memorial Day to the MHH family. Thank you, Chad and Zach, for the great pod. As always, keep up the great work and go Broncos. Very cool. Thank you. Appreciate the support as always, Bobby, and and you being a part of this community. You know, you've been with us like a month now. It's been great since uh, you joined the community. Uh, Don, good to see you. Thanks for being in the stream. Stay safe as well and enjoy your Memorial Day. Um. Yeah, there's a little bit of a conversation taking place with someone. It's in a tight situation uh, in the chat stream for reasons I don't need to go into. I can't really talk about it. But guys, if you're in a if you're in a dark place mentally, 
seek out the places that can help you. If it's due to unemployment, seek out the unemployment office. Look back at yesterday's podcast for if you're in Colorado for ways to kind of hack the, the phone system so you can talk to a real person and get your claim in sooner than later. If it's other darker thoughts that, you know, certain words I'm not going to use, there is help out there that you can contact. And all you need to do is Google it. Google helpline for this issue. There is help out there. And of course, as a community, we're here to help out all of the members of the community. But sometimes if it's that immediate and that acute and that dark for you, you got to take positive action, do something to, to help yourself. Um, Robert wants to know here, is Pat Shermer's offense similar to the West Coast offense? Yes and no. It's built on the bones of the West Coast offense in the same way that the Andy Reid offense is West Coast, but it utilizes more of the spread philosophies in terms of personnel and passing concepts. So it's it sounds like a uh, you know a, a short answer, and maybe it is, but it's 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 a little bit of both. It's a West Coast hybrid with the spread, and by spread. The thing that's important to Shermer, Zach, is he, want, he wants speed on the field. He wants to challenge the defense vertically and also use spacing. He wants to, okay. you know, put two wide receivers on this side, wide receiver on that side, put a tight end in the slot, and really utilize speed and spacing to put the opposing defense on its heels, so to speak. I said it on a previous pod about the defense, 4-3 versus 3-4, how it's all the same and nowadays. It's all muddied, and every team runs a variation of the same scheme. It's the same for offense. There's no Bill Walsh's out there masterminding a new scheme that no one's ever seen before. Even Bill Belichick takes his cues from other coaches, other games, other schemes. It's what everyone does. It's a, it's a very small community of coaches when you really boil it down. Pat Shermer will have some West Coast elements, but a more vertical, downfield, aggressive approach. And that's not really what I'm even focusing on with his arrival. It's his quarterback whispering ability, his quarterback experience, developing Drew Locke as that guy. Obviously, Scangarello wasn't the man for the job. His play calling was suspect as well. But Shermer is going to take chances down the field and call plays that maximize Locke's ability. And that, to me, is his big benefit of him being here. Amen. Nad Ludlow showing love on Super Chat as always. A bona fide superstar. Appreciate you, my friend. Um, Doug on Facebook wants to know here's a question Which Broncos backup quarterback was the best? Bobby Brister, Brock Osweiler, Steve DeBerg, Gary Kubiak. I liked Norris Weiss, who backed up Craig Morton. So Doug going way back to the Orange Crush era and Craig Morton. My answer, and maybe it's a little bit biased, is Bobby Brister because of, I think you really like Gary Kubiak, don't get me wrong. He just didn't have to play in too many key moments. He didn't – I mean, he did have some games, but Bubby Brister helped get the Broncos to the playoffs in the second Super Bowl year in 98 when Elway went down for – I want to say it was a four-game stretch. Brock Osweiler, we know, did a lot of the heavy lifting when Peyton went down with the foot injury in the 2015 season. It's For me, it's either Bubby Brister or Gary Kubiak, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to err on the side of Bubby Brister – and as far as Kubiak, I'll just say, to me, he's the second best head coach in the history of this club. I'll say the same thing with you about Bubby, but about Brock Osweiler, maybe I'm wrong here, but anyone or most quarterbacks could have stepped in with that defense, Chad, that year, taking over for Peyton Manning. I mean, that was just a predestined championship defense. So I, I don't give Osweiler a ton of credit considering what he did in Houston the previous year, left to his or the following year left to his own devices. He was awful. He floundered. I mean, he literally threw a fumble against the Broncos. So I think most backups that year could have taken Denver to where they got to. I think in a general sense, you're right. There were a couple of games, though, where Brock Osweiler 
was a part, you know, you could say he was the difference. Like he contributed, who were the difference makers in this W, I think, especially of that New England game in the snow, right. the one that everyone can remember on Sunday night football when C.J. Anderson broke that overtime rush to, to walk off the field. The Broncos stormed back from a 14-point deficit in the fourth quarter to tie the game and force it into overtime. And a lot of dudes made plays to get them to that point. Osweiler was one of them, made some really clutch throws. So I think you're right, though, that most competent, capable quarterbacks of the backup variety could have stepped in and done similar things for this team, for that team in particular. Uh, but I'll still give him his props. Junger, uh, Junger, not jumping in, $10 super. Sorry, I'm kind of stumbling over that. Junger, not. Hey, guys, normally I'm catching the pod after it's over, but I wanted to throw some doll hairs your guys' way in appreciation of the consistently good content. Keep it up. Very cool. Appreciate that, man. Where's that reference from? It's what? from some movie, Doll Hairs. I can't I don't think. know. That's something that uh, – Sounds familiar. Kid, well, that's something I my kids say to each other. I'll give you – you know, oh. hey, if you if you do my chore, I'll give you five doll hairs. I just remember do you hearing doll words. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe it's a common expression. Absolutely. Um, Robert, no, Devontae Booker is no longer a Bronco. He signed with the Raiders. Devontae Harris, the cornerback, is, and Devontae Bosby, the cornerback, is. All different spellings. It's weird. All three of those players spell Devontae differently. So very no interesting. Devontae on the Broncos to make it technical. Correct, correct. <laughs> All right. <kidding>. Let's, <laughs> let's see where we're at it. <laughs> at a – we're at 50 minutes. Let's grab Mike here. Mike D jumping in with your bad breath, the onion rings. Interesting channel name, my friend. Interesting handle. Appreciate the love. The $10 super. He says, appreciate you guys. I wonder what our pass run ratio will look like. It would be nice to play with a lead and pass early, but hope we don't take our foot off the pedal when we get to a seven or 10 point lead. I don't think Zach, and thanks again, Mike. I don't think that's something Broncos fans really need to worry about. There's a reason they decided to pay, and it wasn't just catching passes out of the backfield. There's a reason why there are now two Pro Bowl running backs in this backfield. They're going to run the football quite a bit. I still think there will be a slight uh, advantage or you know whatever, more, more passes. It'll be more probably like a 65-35 split, maybe not quite that extreme where they'll lead more with the pass. But this running game, they're going to try and take some pressure off of a second-year quarterback by being as prolific on the ground as they can be. And, and it's a conundrum for me because I want the Broncos to take chances, and I want I, I don't want them to play conservative or, or play scared. I don't want them to turn Drew Locke into a game manager. But on the other token, I don't want the Broncos to lose the turnover battle or have a, a, a worse takeaway-giveaway margin. So it, it's really a, a tough line to walk, but I think – the days of the Broncos sitting on a lead like, like they did in Minnesota last year, Chad, are over. Win or lose, they're going to go down swinging and be aggressive and be fun to watch. So I don't think we have to worry about that like you just alluded to. Man, that Minnesota loss. I mean, Brandon Allen, that was like his crowning achievement that first half, getting <laughs> yeah, that 20 weird. points. And uh, <laughs> to use Kareem Jackson's verbiage, the Broncos lost their minds in the second half. They yeah. just – it was a Murphy's and Murphy's life. It could go wrong. It did go wrong. They lost their cashews too. Indeed, they did. And uh, bear with me one second here. Um, Leroy Williams jumping in on Facebook to say, "Hey guys, who will replace? I'm guessing you're saying Elijah Wilkinson. And do you think Jake Rogers could be in competition with Garrett Bowles? So Wilkinson 
at right tackle is what I assume you're asking there, Leroy. That's going to be Juwan James, of course, right? The big, highly sought after $54 million right tackle the Broncos paid in March of 2019. Wilkinson is going to be competing with Bulls, supposedly, for the bat or for the left tackle job. Yeah. Bulls will win that. Wilkinson will be the the swing tackle. Jake Rogers, you know, he's he doesn't have it easy because Wilkinson is making $3.2 million on a restricted free agent tender. So the Broncos, unless he completely flubs up and just sucks in camp, and that might happen with a foot. We don't know, but I don't expect it to happen. Jake Rogers is going to find no room at the end. Best case scenario for him in my book is he probably ends up on the practice squad. But he, Mike Munchak has a soft spot for Rogers. This is the second destination that, that Rogers has joined Mike Munchak. God, Drew Locke and, and Vic Fangio and the Broncos better hope that Garrett Bowles beats out Elijah Wilkinson for that left tackle job. A, a hobbled Elijah Wilkinson at that. They don't have a backup, though, behind them. And you have Jake Rogers, Calvin Anderson, Hunter Watson, undrafted guy. This is the sad state of affairs, and this is why I keep pounding the table over and over for the Broncos to finally pick up some insurance, whether that's Peters, Cordy Glenn, Kelvin Beecham, I do not care. But they cannot go into the season, Chad, with these three tackles leading the depth chart. This is probably a question that a lot of fans who follow you on Twitter ask themselves. They're, they don't quite know what to make of it. And before you answer this, hold on just one second. Let me just set the stage because a lot of people don't know the backstory. Zach came to cover the Denver Broncos as a job from 24 seven CBS many, you know, three, four years back and then took another opportunity last spring or excuse me, last summer, the, right before training camp started, to also cover the Dallas Cowboys for heavy.com. So it's a job. Now, Zach, go ahead. I, I've, I get this question a lot, and I thought our listeners you know, kind of understand it by now, but the Cowboys for me, I mean, I hate to be this blunt about it, but the Cowboys pay the bills, and the Broncos are where my investment is. I've had a lot of years now covering them. I've been invested in the team. And look over my shoulder. There's a literal Broncos signed helmet right there. I mean, I don't have a Cowboys helmet on there. That should go to show you where my heart is at. You can put it that way. My Broncos are the heart and the Cowboys are my brain. So if you have to boil it down to fan, I'm, I'm Denver. I'm bleeding blue and orange more than I'm bleeding blue and silver. James, jumping back in. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, jokes don't really come in well on the super. Eerie having sports in empty stadiums. He's talking about the first one. We did get the joke, but you're probably right that we maybe didn't sell it quite the way we should have. Um Erie having sports in empty stadiums. Still, FYTB, those of you who know what that means, know what it means, will be cheering himself when he makes a six-yard pass. This is you probably know, you know. very true, James. Appreciate you, my dog. Um, across the pond, Duke, I follow a lot of folks on YouTube, and yet MHH seems to be the ones that get slapped for saying the unspoken word, why. First Amendment is protected, stay the course. I see what you're saying. So the whole reason why is in the – I'll say the first two weeks of when the, you know, what really hit the fan. So this is late March. Okay. When we would bring up that subject, we did it completely free of any care or concern or any kind of knowledge that we were on shaky ground. Then what happened? We did, we did a fundraiser where we, for about three episodes straight, it was one episode centered around the fundraiser, but the one before that, promoting what we were going to do on the other and the one after that talking about what we did in the fundraiser. So there's three episodes where that word and words close to it were used uh, nonstop constantly. And what we found is that those episodes, the reach. So usually 
look, we have like 6,000 and change, almost 7,000 subscribers on YouTube, but every podcast, every live stream, YouTube actually puts it in, in front of on average 20 to 25,000 people. Okay. Based on their, you know, preferences and whatnot. Those podcasts in particular were muted by a quarter. They expose them to only a quarter of that audience. There's a reason why. And so what we've decided to do coming out of that is we use code words. We try not to talk too much about it, period. That's not what this podcast is about. We're with you on the First Amendment and all that. We get that. But at the same time, some of these social channels, Zach, are very censorious. I was going to say these social media platforms and, and politics aside, these social media platforms do not care about amendments. They don't care about free speech. They care about what they believe is best for their brand. And they want to censor certain political leaning programs and episodes and things like that. We're not making a political podcast chat. We're talking football and this issue that hit us impacts football, impacts our daily lives. We have opinions on that matter like everybody else. We just have to skirt around that topic. It's not our preference. Chad and I talk about it all off air all the time about what our, our opinions are, where our stances are. We would like to do that. We just have to obey, I guess, by the ground rules that YouTube laid out. That's the best way I can put it. It is what it is. You know, right. if we want to be on the platform, we got to roll with the punches. And uh, yes, James, it's not so it's not so safe for the pot. It refers to Tom Brady, the four letter uh, acronym. J-Bone jumping in off the top rope wow. with a $24 super chat because he says 24 is better than 25. <laughs> Hashtag debate me about it. Hashtag let it breathe. I don't think there's anyone in this stream, J-Bone, that would deny or debate that Champ Bailey is way better than Chris Harris Jr. As great as Chris, he's Chris is the, you know, honestly, Chris Harris Jr. is probably the third best corner in Broncos history. It goes Champ Bailey, Louis Wright. Chris Harris, and then you can start throwing in other guys like Aqib Tlaib. You can throw in guys like, um, I mean, you can throw in the Delta O'Neills of the world, the Tyrone Braxton's back when he was a corner, then he eventually became a safety. We can go back in time. There's quite a few really good ones. Darrant Williams, RIP, but Champ Bailey is the Hall of Fame representative of the cornerback all time for a reason for this time. I wasn't even making that connection between the numbers, Chad, of 24 and 25. But yeah, there's no question here. That's one time I'll agree with you that a lower donation or a lower number is better. Chris Harris, there's no question. There's no contest. Champ Bailey was better cornerback than Chris Harris Jr. Appreciate you, J-Bone. Tony jumping in on YouTube to say, hey, guys, I've been listening since the Vikings game. What was that? Week 11, I want to say. Do you think with a new offensive system and new receivers – that could lead to another that that could lead to another slow start and how will that affect the record so tony that's one concern that everyone has at this stage is that not having a an offseason program could affect teams like the broncos a little bit more adversely than some of the more established offenses or offenses that have more established quarterbacks it's just a it's just something they're going to have to kind of roll with and try to make up for lost time lock is back in denver he is throwing with what receivers he can right now. And hopefully in June, they can get back in there and start utilizing the facilities. But I don't think you might see, basically it's the same answer we have for you is, is Bradley Chubb. They're going to put up Bradley Chubb on a little bit of a pitch count to probably the first quarter of the season. They're going to play it safe. The Broncos offense, it's probably going to take about the first quarter of the season for them to really hit their stride. And that would have been the case, whether there was what happened this off season, this unforeseeable, uh, 
pandemic or not, Zach? It's a good question because the Broncos faced two tough defenses the first couple weeks of the season in the Titans and the Steelers. And week three, they faced their easiest challenge of the early part of the year in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not worried about Drew Locke. Yeah, it's not ideal having the offseason ruined. Yeah, he's going into his first year as a starting quarterback. But as I keep saying, the entire NFL is on the same playing field. The entire NFL had their offseasons ruined. It's not just the Broncos, and it's not just Drew Locke. And if there's one young quarterback in this league more so than Daniel Jones or Kyler Murray, any young quarterback, Lamar Jackson, Drew Locke constantly dealt with change in college. Every single year he was at Missouri, there was change there. So if there's one guy who's equipped to go through and go into the unknown knowing, it's Drew Locke. Duke, we appreciate you, my friend. We do appreciate that sentiment. Uh, Bob pointing out Osweiler's issue was players didn't respond to him like they did Peyton see the 2015 season finale against the Chargers, very true. When Peyton entered that game in the second half, it was a galvanizing lightning rod for the entire team, but especially for the offense. Um, James bringing up, though, that New England game was critical. If the Broncos don't win that game, the Broncos probably go in, in as a fifth or sixth seed. They don't get home field advantage, and they don't win the Super Bowl. Who had to travel to play who in that AFC title game? It was the Patriots having to travel to play the Broncos. And James is 100% right that that could have been different had uh, Osweiler not played well in that game. Got out to a really shaky start in that game, then played well in the second half. All right, a couple more guys, then we got to get out of here for tonight. So if you got any more questions, we're off tomorrow. So get them in now. Robert, he says, would you want to see Drew Locke carry a couple of games like Mahomes did in the 2019 postseason? So I guess he's saying where Locke is literally carrying the team. Of course, we'd like to see that, Chad. But the Broncos, I think, aren't built that way just yet to have Locke to win or lose on the on the strength or lack thereof of his shoulder. They have a really good running game in place. They have a really, really good defense in place. Locke is just that extra little special thing on top to take him over the, the you know the next level. I don't think they're going to put that much pressure on him. And if they do, defenses will be forced to key on the running game and make Locke beat them. Damon wants to know on YouTube. Thanks for joining us, Damon. Noah Fant, the over-under, eight touchdowns. You're taking the over, you're taking the under. I'm not sure if that's an official number. I don't think that it is. But nevertheless, if the over-under were eight, what are you taking, Zach? I'm taking under. I'm saying six or seven tops for him in the red zone. They just have too many weapons on offense, Chad. Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton. I can go down the list and all, but um, he's going to be a factor this year. But I think six, seven touchdowns is more realistic. Here's an interesting question for you, Zach, since you have to cover the, the Cowboys and do what you do there. Yeah. Brian wants to know, are there any inside stories of just how upset Jerry Jones was when he couldn't land Cortland Sutton in the 2018 draft? What have you heard? He wanted Sutton a lot, as as most teams in hindsight do now. Sutton was a, a number 40 overall pick. That was a steal looking back on it, but he's carried that kind of chip on his shoulder. I mean, he he got lucky with Dak Prescott. He wanted Paxton Lynch, and he kind of backed his way into Dak Prescott, so he won that match. He wanted a receiver like Cortland Sutton. He waited, waited, waited. You got Amari Cooper. You got Michael Gallup. Now you add CeeDee Lamb in the mix, Chad. I mean, that's pretty good karma for Jerry Jones missing on Cortland Sutton. Amen to that. Holden Adams jumping in, one of our superstars. Really appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Holden. He says, just wanted to make up for the time I've missed on the live pod. I've been putting in overtime as an ICU nurse battling the you-know-what. Keep up the great work, Denver Broncos for life. Very cool, man. Thank you for what you've been doing, Holden. Props, yeah, yeah. props to our frontline medical workers and the, the job you're doing. So, Holden, 
That's really cool. We tip our cap to you, my yeah. friend. And uh, by the way, if you're on Twitter, Holden, reach out and let me know what your handle is so that we can tag you after this podcast, my friend. It's good to see you. And thanks for joining us as always. All right. Let me just make sure we're not missing anybody here, Zach, and then we'll wind today's podcast down. Um, this is cool from Joseph. Hey, everyone. I would also like to thank my grandfather, who was a pilot. He flew B-17 bombers in World War II. My brother-in-law and two cousins and everyone else who served. Happy Memorial awesome. Day. Go Broncos. An excellent message with which to kind of tie this particular podcast episode in a bow. Let me just see here what else. I want to make sure we're not PDX. That's kind of a long one. Where are we at? We're at 105. PD, PDKJXG, hit us up on that. Uh, like send me an email or something or hit us up on Wednesday. If we would have seen that one, I know you you tendered that. Oh, it's only three minutes ago. It's a little too late for us to go through that entire uh, that entire question comment of yours. Terry, appreciate you, bro. Thank you, Terry. You know what it means. The horse, the clock, and the lock. You know <laughs> what that means. All right, here we go. Last thing here. <laughs> Great message here from Buana. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate every like and subscription. Head over to milehighhuddle.com for more content. Keep the conversation going. Huddleuppod.com is where you go. Get yourself some merch. Have a great week. And, of course, tomorrow night is Building the Broncos. And, George, Mile High salute to you as well, my friend. Mile High salute to all of our Super Chat superstars tonight. And, uh, yeah, so tomorrow it's Building the Broncos, and then Zach and I will be back in the saddle Wednesday night, 615 Mountain, 815 Eastern. And until then, you guys, enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day. And, Zach, have a great start to your week, my bro. You as well, my man. I'll see you on Wednesday night. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Again, shout out, special shout out to our superstars. Okay. All right. Just a quick note from Buona Beast there. Shout out to all of you for joining us. Thanks again. For Zach, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday, but don't forget, there's a podcast tomorrow night. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.